So hello and welcome to Cut Into The Ball Quarantine Edition. I'm Ben, as always I'm joined by Gaz. Hello. And Mike. Hello. Uh, today we are going to do a slightly different episode, but one which will be fascinating nonetheless. It is called The Unkillable Soldier. Uh-huh. You're looking forward to this one? This guy's made of the same stuff I am. He's a pure fantasy. <laughs> no, it's a true story. You're both psychopaths. Yeah. Sociopaths, Mike, get it right. Well, you like to second that. <laughs> it's all I feel on hard, the spectrum I feel of harshly done by, as always. You always feel harshly done by. It's a persecution complex. Goes hand in hand with delusions of grandeur. Uh, <laughs> all right, Freud. Uh, well, yeah, you know, just. <laughs> uh, do you want to say uh, hello to some new and returning listeners, Mike? Yeah, we can do. Okay, Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome back. Derby, UK. I think we've seen them before. Proud footballing town of Derby. Oh, they bollocks. Sheep shaggers. No. <laughs> Madrid, Spain. Manama, Bahrain. East Orange, New Jersey. Vaughan, Canada, Leeds, UK, Manchester, UK, Hollyhead, UK, Reading, Pennsylvania, Kuznacht, Switzerland. Wow, that's a new one. Dublin, Ireland, Barcelona, Spain, Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago. Wow, someone, oh no, this is someone holiday, but no one's on holiday right now, are they? Peterborough, Canada, Wollongong, Australia. Newtown, Australia, and top again, Fort Worth, Texas. Wow, thank you, Fort Worth, yep. and everybody, stay safe, you fuckers. You know, don't go get on its side and all that. Right, weird news, then, guys. Yeah, man. Yep. Let's get the boys' views on this week's weird news. Right, I'll start this one then. Uh, was JFK killed because of his interest in aliens? Secret Memo shows president demanded UFO files 10 days before his death. Ooh. Uh, an hey. undercover letter written by John F. Kennedy to the head of the CIA shows the president demanded to be, show- demand to be shown highly confidential documents about UFOs 10 days before his assassination. The secret memo is one of two letters written by JFK asking for information about the paranormal on November 12th, 1963. These have just been released by the CIA for the first time. This is going in a new book, uh, A Celebration of Freedom, JFK and the New Frontier, by a guy called William Lester. Huh. Was he shot to just stop him discovering the truth about UFOs? I still don't think the CIA would have released it if it was. Yeah. I think it's probably 
what do you call it? A red herring? Well, mm. in the second memo he sent to the NASA administrator, the president expressed a desire for cooperation with the former Soviet Union on mutual outer space activities. So maybe he did know something was there and thought, we've got to work together, we've got to have a solar warden. Why not just show him some bogus information and lead him off the track rather than assassinate him? Well, it's, it's a lot easier and cheaper, isn't it? Listen, even if even if Kennedy was trying to find out about aliens, they still had all the other reasons to shoot him. It was probably still more that he was trying to dismantle the CIA and yeah, you know, the deep state. Expose the, yeah, expose the deep state to the voting public. There's probably more of that than him trying to find out about little green men. I bet every sitting president in history, well, since the 60s, has asked the question at some point. Like, I'm the president, I demand to know. And I bet they still make him, they fuck him about. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's coming. It's, we'll, we'll bring the, the folder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It could know. have been the, uh, the final nail in the coffin. Certainly could have been, that's true. I don't think it was the primary reason, personally. No. Uh-huh. I'm going yeah, with it. Of course you are, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Of course I am. Go with anything aliens. That's fine. Yeah, so right, who's next? Okay, coronavirus. Amir Khan pushes dangerous conspiracy theory that disease man-made while they test 5G. But not 3G, 4G, or anything else we've had before, just this one. I don't know if they've had it in other countries, but we've had vandalism to 5G towers, haven't we? We have. We would have burnt them down. Which is stupid, really, because it's used by the emergency services. Oh. And also, I mean, I've been trying to... I don't want to derail us too much, but fucking 5G... I mean, somebody did point out to me that um, the tobacco industry is a, a business model where killing your customers works, but there's also 40 or 50 years of addiction between them yeah. dying. Yeah. Right? That's true. So that's a good business model. What sort of business model is it for an internet company that's like, oh, we found out our new high-speed internet sort of kills our customers, the ones that will be making money off of? Ah, fuck it, let's roll it out anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, if, I don't know. I'm... To me, it seems a bit my first conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? It's yeah. A bit like chemtrails. Anyway, what's the news story say, Mike? Well, Amir Khan has bizarrely questioned the unanimous expertise of the world's leading epidemiologists by suggesting <laughs> the coronavirus did not derive from China, but is a man-made disease designed to kill the elderly and lower population levels. Oh. Talking on Instagram, the 33-year-old attempted to explain how he thought the prevailing science was, quote, bullshit and claimed <laughs> that the pandemic was, quote, put there for a reason while they test 5G. In all fairness to Amir Khan, he has been hitting the head a lot. <laughs> that is true. You know, he, his Very last true. few fights, yeah. um, you know, he showed he hasn't got that strong a chin. He has been knocked out a few times. Concussed probably a lot. Now, if I wanted advice yeah. on nutrition or something or training, <laughs> training, I would go to someone like Amir Khan. Yeah. The advice of 
5G and coronavirus, I wouldn't go anywhere near him. No, this is it. This is this is exactly the point, isn't it? So why is this kind of thing being given column inches in the independent of all of all uh, newspapers? Well, to you be know, fair, they are mocking him a bit, aren't they? Well, they are, but still, some fucking dozy bastards still think, well, for me, I can't think that. It's oh, like yeah. Freddie Flintoff, he thinks he's flat. Oh, there is that. <laughs> then he probably took a lot of cricket balls to the face and drank a lot of alcohol. <laughs> I think the lesson to be learned is stop taking advice from people who've had several head injuries. Yeah, because yeah. it's forcing me to agree with Michael Gove. Because he's had to come out this week and dismiss it as dangerous nonsense. Hang on, so Michael Gove's on the side of this is crap. Yeah. In that case, I'm with Amir Khan. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Just on principle, I can't agree with that hamster fucker. Uh... <laughs> Just just on principle, I can't do it. So now, yeah. I'm not saying that I know that 5G is perfectly safe. I have no fucking idea. But to say that They've engineered this coronavirus just so they can roll out a dangerous 5G. It's just mental, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. You don't, as Gas said, you don't kill your customers. They'd just roll it out anyway. Of course yeah. they would. You know what I mean? They're not. They're really not bothered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that that uh, there's a meme that says, like, oh, it's a picture of a guy working on a 5G mast. And he's like right up to it, right next to it on a cherry picker, and he's got like a hazmat suit thing on. And they're like, oh, well, the guy working on it's got this suit on. What do you think it's doing to you? It's like, yeah, but I'm not stood next to it. Yeah. It's exactly. like the microwave. If you put the microwave on with the door open and put your nuts in it, it's going to do you some damage. Yeah. Well, somebody was driving around with that meter. Is that what you just referred to? There's a video of him driving around with that meter, and it's going crazy showing the 5G. But it does exactly the same with your microwave, and we're not all dead. So, you know, and we all microwave quite a bit, don't we? Yeah. Of course we do. So we're going to see that Amir Khan's talking out of his, his arse, basically. I'd say so. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. Good. For once, we're in agreement. Yeah. Stick to the boxing, <laughs> Amir. <laughs> oh, don't do that because you're a bit crap at that too. All right then, Gaz, your one. Am I this uh, Chernobyl story? That's the one linking back to our Chernobyl episodes. Go check them out. Why shouldn't you buy Russian underpants, Ben? Oh, is it because your knobble fall out? No, it's because Chernobyl drop off. Ha, hurry, Okay. Bad news. <laughs> Radiation. 16 times above normal after forest fire near Chernobyl. The blaze started started on Saturday close to the site of the world's worst ever nuclear disaster. Ukrainian officials have sought calm (laughs) after forest Mm -hmm. fires in the restricted zone around Chernobyl, scene of the world's worst nuclear accident, led to a rise in radiation levels. Firefighters said they had managed to put out the smaller of the two forest fires that began at the weekend. Apparently, after someone began a grass fire and had deployed more... Who the fuck was having a barbecue at Chernobyl? (laughs) (laughs) They deployed more than 100 firefighters, 
backed by planes and helicopters to extinguish the remaining blaze. Yeah, but that smoke's going to go in the atmosphere and it's radiation in the atmosphere now. Yeah. Well, That's not good. Nope. <laughs> It'll be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Ma. <laughs> There's a fucking killer virus on the loose. And then we've got to deal with this as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't go out the house anyway. And then I can't go at the house again because every time it rains now, it's going to be nuclear. It's going to be radioactive rain. Yep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben. Good times, eh? <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come on. Last little bit is quite a long article. I just, as of Monday afternoon, the country's emergency ministry said that the remaining fire in the Chernobyl exclusion zone covered about 20 hectares and was still being extinguished. Footage released by the ministry showed firefighters dousing flames on the forest floor and clouds of poisonous nuclear smoke rising. Oh, I added, that good. I added the poisonous nuclear bit. <laughs> it says clouds of smoke rising, but it must, must be poisonous fucking nuclear, mustn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, because they better remember if we go back to our episode, they literally turned over the top level of soil and any trees that were there cut them down and buried them. So it's it's burning out, it's burning radioactive mulch. Yeah, the trees <laughs> that, that have grown since then have been using that radiated soil. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they've got it in their in their bark and their leaves and all in, in all of its thing, and that's going into the atmosphere, isn't it? Of course, it is. Don't panic, though. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't panic. Um, can I just Every read the last day. paragraph? Yeah. Police have arrested a suspect believed to have caused the blaze, a 27-year-old man from the area, who reportedly told police he had set grass and rubbish on fire in three places, a quote, for fun. Ugh. After he'd lit the fires, he said the wind had picked up and he had been unable to extinguish them. God, this Utter, utter fuck nut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the best way to describe this, Tarsa. Oh, Well, I think that concludes that story. Don't set fire in nuclear places. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. Don't go anywhere near them. Yeah. Shall we move on to the main cut and thrust of today's topic, the unkillable soldier? Okay. Let's do it. Right. Adrian Carton de Viot, the soldier who could not be killed. Over the course of four wars in six decades, Adrian Carton de Viot proved himself to be the most badass soldier of all time. For most soldiers, the loss of their left eye and left hand would be enough to force them to retire from battlefield service. Not so for Belgian-born British Army officer Sir Adrian Carton de Viet. Over the course of four conflicts, he sustained 11 grievous injuries, which included being shot in the face, head, hand, stomach, leg, groin and ankle. And as if that wasn't enough, he survived numerous plane crashes, made multiple escape attempts from an Italian POW camp, and broke his back. Wow. Oh. 
Despite all of these injuries, he remained fully dedicated to military service. For example, there were he married an Austrian countess and they had two daughters. He makes no mention of them at all in his memoir. Huh. He's all about you know. the fighting. He also knows how to sell a book. Who wants a romance? Who got four wars in six decades? Yeah. Well, you know, he's old school. He is. They don't, you know, I'm glad to say that I'm married the same stuff, but they don't don't make them like this anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, his memoirs are devoted almost exclusively to his wartime exploits. And with the memoir entitled Happy Odyssey, it's plain to see that uh, uh, he lived for warfare. Uh. In his memoir, he recalled his thoughts when the Second Boer War broke out between Britain and the Boer states of South Africa in 1899. And he says, at that moment, I knew once and for all that war was in my blood. And if the British didn't fancy me, I'd offer myself to the Boers. He was a teenager at this point, born in 1880 to a Belgian aristocrat. So he's 19 when the war breaks out. Uh, Though a rumour circulated, his real father was actually the king of Belgium, Leopold II. Okay. His brushes with death started after he left Oxford University to enlist in the British Army. He faked his name and age to qualify for combat and was soon on his way to South Africa. There he was shot in the stomach and groin and was sent to recover in England. In 1901, he returned to South Africa for active duty. This time he enlisted under his real identity and served as a commissioned officer until the war ended in 1902. In 1907, he became a British citizen, and for a few years, he played the aristocratic life, shooting fowl and fox around Europe, and he made time to marry and start a family. Simple enough, you know, bit of a badass, goes home, gets his end away, marries a countess. Then, in 1914, World War One broke out, and Carter de Vere was back in military service. His first campaign was a Quella Rebellion in British Somaliland. And there, as a part of the Somaliland Camel Corps, he rode into battle against the forces of the Somali leader, Mohammed Abdullah Hassan, dubbed the Mad Mullah. He rode into war on a camel. Yes. War camels? (laughs) War camels against a bloke whose nickname is Mad. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's mad. It is. Despite the Brits' successful assault on a Somali fort, things did not go so well for Carlton de Viet. He was shot twice in the face, losing Ooh. his left eye and part of his left ear. If you're on the defeated side, though, you're on a Somali side, they lost some uh, body parts when the Mad Muller had them castrated for their failure. Fuck oh, man. <laughs> it's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> then again, it does send a very powerful message to your troops. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> it means I won't want to enlist. No, I don't, I don't think they probably tell you about that when you do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you fuck up. Yeah, Say but then you'd be notes. noticing all the people coming back home to your village from fighting with no balls. I think word would get around, wouldn't it? Right, probably would, yeah. Unless you're that first wave. Well, well how many was left in the first wave? That's the thing. As for Carlton de Viet, he lost an eye and he gained a Distinguished Service Medal and a glass eye. 
uh, but he soon found that the glass eye aggravated him. So he flung it out of a taxi window and opted instead for a black eye patch because he's a badass. Hey. So, uh, don't like it. Pops his eye out in the back of, back of a cab, flings it into the road, puts an eye patch on, becomes a badass. Um, Legend. He believes that the he regarded the loss of an eye as a blessing as it allowed him to get out of Somalia and to Europe where he thought the real action was. <laughs> uh, by 1915, he was fighting in the trenches on the Western Front and during the bat- Second Battle of Yeeps, his ha- left hand was shattered by bombardment from German artillery and according to his memoirs, he tore off two of his own fingers after the doctor wouldn't amputate them. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Later that year, a surgeon removed his now mangled hand entirely. <laughs> Undeterred and seemingly unimpaired, he went on to fight in the Battle of the Somme, Britain's bloodiest day, 1916, during which his men recall seeing the now one-handed man pull pins from grenades with his teeth and then <laughs> flinging them into his with his one good hand into enemy territory. <laughs> One-armed, one-eyed guy <laughs> just flinging grenades at you is enough. Fucking... Well, I'd have surrendered if I was on the yeah. German side. Me too. No, this guy. I wouldn't have been in the war. Yes. Well, you wouldn't have yeah. much of a choice in this particular conflict. Oh, well, that is true. He then further distinguished himself in a battle during the assault on the village of La Boisselle in France when three unit commanders from the 8th Battalion Gloucestershire Regiment were killed. Carton de Viet then took charge of all three units and they turned the assault back. He was then awarded the Victoria Cross, but he humbly made no mention of it in his memoirs, claiming that it had been won by the 8th Gloucesters, for every man has done as much as I have. That's good. Yeah, that's nice. Recognising his troops. Yeah. Again, in the front line, as was the case at La Boisselle, Carton de Viet's ability to lead from the front in some of the biggest hellholes of World War One accounted for the sheer number of critical injuries he suffered. In the trenches of Devil's Wood, for example, he received what we normally a kill shot to the back of the head, but survived. Fuck. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Got shot in the back of the head, survived. Wow. During three subsequent battles, he was shot in the ankle, hip and leg, but soon regained full mobility after he convalesced. His final bullet wound was a relatively superficial one to his ear. Despite his losses of various body parts, he said, and I quote, Frankly, I'd enjoyed the war. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. And wherever there was a war... Yeah, Adrian Carson de Viet was sure to find it. Between 1919 and 1921, he commanded the British effort to aid Poland, which was engaged in multiple conflicts with the Soviet Bolsheviks, the Ukrainians, the Lithuanians and the Czechs. In 1919, he survived two plane crashes, one of which resulted in a brief period of Lithuanian captivity. And then in August 1920, Cossacks attempted to hijack his observation train. He took them on single-handedly, armed only with a revolver, literally single-handedly, because he got one hand. <laughs> yeah. uh, during the fight, he fell onto the track, 
but leapt straight back onto the moving train and took care of the rest of them. The fuck is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) And why haven't they made a movie? Yeah. It's too unrealistic. Yeah. 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 They'll be like, yeah, it's too unrealistic, mate. This is mental. Yeah. No one will believe this. (laughs) So, um, while posted in Poland, he became quite taken with the place and decided to remain there after the Poles won the war in 1921. He retired with the honorary rank of Major General in 1923 and spent the next 15 years shooting daily at his Polish estate. Unfortunately, peace was relatively short-lived for the Poles and was devastated by attacks from both Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union during the opening months of World War II. So, unfortunately, peace was relatively short-lived for the Poles who were devastated by attacks from both Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union during the opening months of World War II. Carthen de Viet was forced to escape Poland and then headed back to, the, to, headed back to Great Britain, where he re-enlisted in the British Army. <laughs> How old is he at this point? Um, he's getting on for 60 at this point. He's in his late 50s. So, at this point, he's in his late 50s, he's lost a hand, lost an eye, been shot in the back of the head, lost an ankle... Shot. Uh, no, uh, shot in the ankle, shot in the hip, shot in the leg. Yeah, lost his eye, lost his hand. <laughs> and this guy is still thirsty for more. Yeah. Awesome. And he's about 50, 58 at this point. So in 1940, he was sent to take command of the Anglo-French force in North. His arrival set the tone for the catastrophic mission to come. His seaplane was forced to land on a fjord when he was attacked by a German fighter plane. In true Adrian Carton de Viet style, he refused to get into the rubber dinghy because it would be a sitting duck. Instead, he waited in the wreckage until the enemy plane literally ran out of ammunition and then flew off. A naval vessel was sent over and he casually got in and was taken to shore. <laughs> he didn't last long in Norway. Sadly, his forces were outgunned and undersupplied. The Norway campaign was a complete fucking mess for the Allies in 1940. It was an attempt to get a bit of pride back, and it did not go well. You know what? I know nothing about that. Oh, they don't, they don't tell us much about that one, because yeah. we didn't do very well. Yeah, that's it. They always leave them ones out, don't they? Uh, they do. It was a really poorly, a, a poor attempt to kind of get a bit of pride back, and it did not work. Still, under his leadership, his forces managed to, avert, to traverse over mountains and get to Trondheim Fjord, all while being bombarded by the Luftwaffe, withstanding artillery strikes in the German Navy and avoiding German ski troops. Ultimately, the Royal Navy, while under bombardment, managed to ferry the men out of Norway to safety and Carson de Vier arrived in Great Britain on his 60th birthday. So he was 59 when he was uh, got told, hey, you're going to take over the troops in Norway. By the way, it's a bit of a shit show. Do what you can to get as many men out. Yeah. Wow. And he did, well, he did quite well, though, didn't he? He went full Robocop. He did. Uh, now, in April 1941, so he must have done a good job because he's still getting jobs. He was appointed by Churchill to lead a British mission in Yugoslavia, but he never got there. En route to Yugoslavia via Malta, his Wellington bomber suddenly took a nosedive into the Mediterranean. He and the Royal Air Force crew took refuge on the wing until the fuselage started to sink. Then... The 61-year-old Adrian Carden de Viet helped an injured, struggling comrade swim the mile to shore. 
<laughs> 61, no hand, <laughs> shot multiple times, one eye, helps a young, 18, 19 year old man to swim to shore. <laughs> as soon as they made the coastline, they were captured by the Italians. He was sent to um, a Vinci Galita castle outside Florence, where he was one of 13 high ranking officers held prisoner. And this is something like The Great Escape, but starring senior citizens. The prisoners refused to stay incarcerated and mounted numerous attempts to escape. Determined, they even excavated a 60-foot tunnel through solid bedrock over labour-intensive seven months until six of them escaped in March 1943. (laughs) (laughs) Why has a movie not been made of this guy? Exactly. Exactly. It's got everything. <laughs> the best of it is, they dress as Italian peasants, but a one-handed man with a black eye patch proved conspicuous. <laughs> and after eight days, Carton de Mayotte was soon returned to captivity. Yet the war wasn't over for him, and no more escapades to be had. Wow. Right. So, the only reason he's standing out is because like, he'd be on the lookout for a bloke with one eye and one arm, one hand. Oh, there yeah. he is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even the Italians couldn't miss that. <laughs> so the Italians in '43 decided they wanted to switch sides, and they took Carton de Viet to Rome to help negotiate with the Allies. On the August 28th, 1943, he returned to Great Britain and only back a month for he was given a new assignment. This time as Churchill's special representative to Chinese leader Chiang Kai-shek. Before heading to China, he accompanied uh, Chiang Kai-shek to the Cairo conference where the, uh, the Allies discussed Japan's post-war future. After the conference, Carson de Vere remained in China for four years where he managed to experience yet another plane crash. Uh, finally in 1947 he retired even then sustaining yet another serious injury on his way back to England from China he stopped off in Rangoon and slipped down a flight of stairs breaking his back knocking himself unconscious during his recovery the doctors removed a huge amount of shrapnel from his war torn body depending on your perspective luckiest or unluckiest soldier to have lived (laughs) bit of both isn't it yeah. <laughs> but died peacefully in 1963 at the age of 83. Wow. You can't complain then, can he? Not really. No. Yeah, what a badass. Now, I did a little bit more digging and found, um, well, realised that my mic suggested this episode that one of my heroes was perfect to go into this because he is also a complete war loving lunatic. Right. And it's not me. Okay. Yet. Yet. Lieutenant Colonel John Mad Jack Churchill. He had a motto. I've heard of this fellow. Any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. I like that. <laughs> he was referring, of course, to the basket hilted Scottish broadsword that he armed himself with during battle. Now, Ben, and explain how big a broadsword is for people who don't know. Anywhere from four to eight feet long, but Jack was using the uh, putting the four foot long version. 
Because it was one hand. Still got a hefty sword, isn't it? It is. It, not only that, he would have that scabbard at his hip. He'd have his longbow on his shoulder and his bagpipes in his hand. Because that's right. While everyone else was firing rifles and loading their tanks, Jack Churchill preferred some good old-fashioned hand-to-hand combat. And in addition to his sword, he occasionally used a longbow. <laughs> now, this is in what? The First World War? Second World War. Oh, second? Yeah. Still using a longbow in the Second um, World War? So, he was the only man using the longbow in the Second World War. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. It's mad. Yeah. He took second place in the World Archery Championships in Oslo, Norway, and also competed in the military piping com- competition. He was a keen bagpiper. Appeared in two films during his time between wars. Uh. The Thief at Baghdad and A Yank at Oxford. And then, so Churchill's uh, adventure spirit was put on hold in 1939, the dawn of World War II. After Germany invaded Poland, he resumed his post in the British Army, this time as the British expeditionary force to France. During one of his forces' raids, he ambushed a German patrolman, shooting him with a barbed arrow. His shot earned him the title of the only British soldier to have felled an enemy with a longbow during the war. Wow. And then he decided he was going to join the commandos, where he gained a notoriety for charging into battle, playing the bad pipes and throwing grenades. <laughs> Churchill led the commandos across Europe, from Norway to Italy to Yugoslavia, all the while armed with his longbow, bagpipes and a Scottish broadsword. At one point, he was marching through Sicily with only his sword, and he and his corporal managed to capture 42 German soldiers. He then, at some point during a commando raid, his team was ambushed. A mortar shell hit the entire team, but he managed to survive death, and he was taken to Sachsenhausen concentration camp. However, just after days of being captured, he and another army officer crawled through the war fence and through an abandoned drain to escape the camp. They made it all the way to the Baltic coast. Now, Sachsenhausen concentration camp was just outside of Berlin. So to make it to the north coast of Germany, the Baltic coast, is quite an achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so he was captured twice. He remained in the army in 1944, so he escaped twice. Just months after being reunited with American forces, he was sent to Burma to participate in the land battles against Japan. However, by the time he'd arrived, the war was ending as Nagasaki and Hiroshima had just been bombed. According to fellow soldiers, Churchill was disappointed in the sudden end of the war and exclaimed, if it wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have kept the war going another ten years. Fuck me. Uh, then he has a bit of a more pacifist role. He goes to uh, Palestine to train with the army to coordinate rescue efforts and evacuation efforts for civilians and Jewish citizens who are under attack. Then he moved to Australia, took up surfing, and, re- and died as a surfer. <laughs> First person to ride the River Seven's tidal bore. That's the river by us. You know, that has that tide come through it. It does, yeah. yeah. I've seen it. I've seen people surf it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Even when he retired, he remained eccentric as ever. Every time he would take the train home from the city to his home, he would toss his briefcase out the window. When questioned why he would do such a thing, he explained to the conductors he was simply throwing his briefcase into his own backyard so he wanted to carry it home from the station. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I saw this guy's kids were on, um, his sons were on QI. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way I know about this guy. 
they told the briefcase story. Yeah, I like it. Imagine being one of the, the passengers. Yeah. Uh, some old dude just gets up and slings his briefcase off the train. <laughs> I'm not going to sit with him. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like both of them. Obviously, you know, I'm cut from the same cloth. Huh. It's hard to think you can compare a quartermaster sergeant and the TA to what they did, but... I just needed my chance. Nah. I'd have been exactly literally, like one of them, Jim. Can't, like, literally anybody get into the TA. No. No. Well, you've, you've got to pass a, a medical. You've got to pass a mental evaluation. Take a test well, as well. How the fuck did you blag your way through that? <laughs> I did psychology. I know exactly how to blag my way through tests. <laughs> Are you kidding, guys? It's the army. They want psychopaths. They're looking for them. <laughs> oh, that's below the belt. No. You know me. I'm a perfectly lovable character. Uh, you got anything else, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Future, future soldiers. So, obviously, we've got these two unkillable mad bastards, but then Mike says, well, you know what? Oh. Sorry, that was Mike's, Mike's, yeah. Mike said, you know what? What are the future unkillable soldiers going to be like? Mm. Yeah. So, we dipped into sci fi. Yeah. There isn't a lot out there about future soldiers a lot of the programs have been shut down mm. especially the US so I'm thinking that they must be thinking about putting their resources more into robots and AI yeah I mean obviously back in the day on our DARPA episode we talked about soldiers who wouldn't need sleep, who could regrow limbs things like yeah. that obviously Randy yeah. Kramer, Captain America in space he had several hey. limbs regrown uh, Mr. Kramer. Love Randy oh, Kramer. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, fair play. Whatever floats your boat. So we were thinking, what was what would be the ultimate super soldier? And we looked to fiction, and we looked to the Warhammer universe, didn't we, Ben? The Warhammer 40k universe. Yep. Warhammer 40,000, set in the 41st millennium. Awesome. That's 30,000 years from now, pretty much. 38,000 years, is it? 38,000 years from now. So think of from Christ to now, yeah, another 19 of them, and that's where we would be in the future, 41st millennium. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. If we live that long as a species. Well, there is that as well. Yeah, in this world, man has spread out amongst the galaxies, hasn't it, Bennett? Yeah, they've spread amongst the stars. But the chap in charge, the Emperor, realised that normal humans weren't going to be tough enough for the job. So he uh-huh. took a load of teenagers, did some experiments, and came up with the Space Marine. Yay! The Adeptus Astartes. Yeah. Right. And I'll start with a quote from the Emperor of Mankind, who leads the human forces in the 41st millennium. 
to a point, I mean, he is sat as a rotting corpse on a chair, but, you know, yeah, he's there. Technically. He's still in charge. They shall be my finest warriors, these men who give themselves to me. Like clay, I shall mould them, and in the furnace of war forge them. They will be of iron will and steely muscle. In great armour shall I clad them, and with the mightiest guns will they be armed. They will be untouched by plague or disease. No sickness will blight them. They will have tactics, strategies and machines such that no foe can best them in battle. They are the bulwark against the terror. They are the defenders of humanity. They are my space marines and they shall know no fear. Does that get your your cock a bit twitchy? Give me a twitch. (laughs) Give me a twitch, yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So the Adeptus Astartes, commonly known as Space Marines, colloquially as Angels of Death. That's pretty badass. Yeah. That's pretty metal. Are one of the most elite and feared fighting forces in the Imperium of Man. They are barely human at all, but superhuman, having been made superior in all respects to a normal man by a harsh regime of genetic modification, psycho-conditioning and rigorous training. Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not, though, to be fair. Uh, no, not at all. No, we'll get into that later. Space Marines are untouched by plague or any natural disease and can suffer wounds that would kill a lesser being several times over and live to fight again. They are the God Emperor's angels of death and they know no fear. Recruits um, are chosen from the best yeah. warriors among humanity. Among the most valued traits in a recruit are aggression and psychotic level killer instinct. Yeah. <laughs> so when we say like they would kill, they would survive wounds that kill a lesser man, as in we're talking about having a limb blown off and well, still being conscious, still able to fight. The loss of blood won't kill them. The shock won't kill them. The trauma won't kill them. They can be patched up, given a robotic replacement back out there in a couple of couple of weeks, a month tops. Fuck. <laughs> they can take a round to the chest. Yeah. Be fine. And they look cool as fuck. They do look cool as fuck. Are you googling it now? <laughs> no, I've seen the uh, I've seen space warriors. What they're called, space marines. Yeah. One of those things that looks like I should love it, but it's just like, isn't it like chess? No. Again, two of tabletop. It's tabletop war gaming. <laughs> Just sound incredibly nerdy when you put it like that. Yeah. No, no. Sounds perfectly reasonable way to spend your time. <laughs> I can't. It's no sadder than playing video games, is it? It's no different. That's it. No, that's true. Yeah. Basically, they get they get nineteen extra organs to a human. Yeah, I'll get into that. Yeah. What are they? So, Have we got a list? We got a yeah, list. Yeah, I got a list, mate. Excellent. Let's continue. The potential recruit is first subjected to testing, including tissue compatibility tests and psychological screening. Relatively few get past this initial selection process. Those that do pass are termed neophytes, and the process continues with a surgery, indoctrination, conditioning, and training that will make them Marines. The surgical process takes a great deal of time. The recruit receives implants along with chemical and hypnotherapy and training necessary for allowing the functioning and development of the implanted organs. 
The implants transform their bodies and minds and give them inhuman abilities, making them capable of spitting acidic venom, absorbing the memories of the dead by eating their flesh, darkening their skin to protect it from radiation, and operating for long periods without sleep by switching off parts of their brains at a time. It's not bad going. These are literally like teenagers, you know, chosen at 13. And by the time yeah. you're about 21, 22, you've got your full list of your full suit of organs and you're off and raised rock and roll. Yeah, the full list of 19 gene seed organs presented in the order in which they must be implanted within a firstborn space marine neophyte is as follows. First, secondary heart. Makes sense. This is the first and least difficult implant to install. The secondary heart increases blood supply and pumping capacity and is capable of taking over entirely should the primary heart fail. It may also pump steroids and adrenaline into the first primary heart to give the Astartes an extra rush of energy on the battlefield. So bad going, eh? Not really. Seems quite handy. Yeah. Two is the os modulate, known as the iron heart. This implant strengthens and greatly accelerates the growth of the skeleton of a space marine by inducing his bones to absorb a ceramic-based mineral administered in every Astartes neophyte's diet. Within two standard years after the surgery, the space marine's skeleton will be larger and exponentially stronger than a normal man's, with growth having topped out at around seven to seven and a half feet, that's 2.1 to 2.3 metres in height, with an equivalent amount of skeletomuscular mass. And Astartes' rib cage will also be fused into solid bone plate to provide oh. greater protection from the injury for the eternal organs. Fucking hell. Sounds good. Three, Biscopia. Implanted into the chest cavity, this implant massively bolsters skeletal muscular development and muscle fibre density throughout the Astartes' body to increase physical strength by unleashing a wave of human growth hormones. Not bad. Four, hemostamen. Implanted into the main blood vessel like the aorta, femoral artery or the vena cava, the hemostamenon alters an Astartes' blood's biochemical composition to carry oxygen and nutrients more efficiently. So, yeah, you get your secondary heart pumping that blood round and the next thing you know, you get a shot of adrenaline. It's all through the system. Two hearts for the shot of adrenaline. That will surely make the end of your cock explode. <laughs> the end of your dick. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then you've got the Laramans organ, which is shaped like the human liver, but only the size of a golf ball. It's placed in the chest cavity, manufactures a synthetic biological cells known as Laraman cells. Wow. Which serve to clot the blood lost from, lost from wounds but they act faster, more efficiently and more effectively. And at the site of the injury, they form scar tissue in a matter of seconds. Like Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. The catalepsian node is implanted into the back of the cerebrum. This implant allows a space marine to avoid sleep, instead entering an almost comatose trance where their minds recharge. It also allows one half of the brain to rest while the other hemisphere remains alert, thus removing the need the un- unconsciousness required by normal sleep. So they never properly sleep. They can go about three weeks without a nap, without full sleep in the uh, in the fluff. 
So it's three weeks, and then they have to sort of do this sort of half, half and half thing. But like one, two hours a night of that, they're, they're absolutely fine, to be fair. Well, I suppose to go to space, <coughs> you've got to do fighting. You know what I mean? You've got to be, you know, you can't have any old flat-footed grunt, can you? No, um, you've got to choose the best, really. Yeah. And grow them an extra heart or two. Yeah. Well, and an extra lung as we got cut up later. Yeah. Next is the preemnor, essentially an organic decontamination chamber connected to the digestive system. It's capable of biochemically analysing ingested materials and neutralising most known biochemical and inorganic toxins. Can't be poisoned. Yep. Can eat whatever you want. Awesome. The arm of phagia implanted into the upper spinal cord so it becomes a component of the central nervous system. This organ is designed to absorb information and any DNA uh, sequences related to experience or memory. This enables a space marine to gain information simply by eating an animal indigenous to an alien world and experiencing some of what the creature did before its death. Wow. So basically, if you kill some of the enemy, you can then eat their brain raw and this organ tells you what they were doing before they died how many of them are there what they were doing what their plans are probably what their plans are wow so does anyone ever get one up over these guys then or do they just trample over everything well a good last cannon will fucking blast one to nothing but (laughs) no they do get their asses kicked they are not infallible okay well, that's good. Because there's only like a thousand, at the most there's like a thousand of them in at one time in one place. Yeah, they're, they're the elite of the elite. Yeah, there's like but, only a million of them in the entire Imperium. There's like one per planet, if you spread it out that way. Most of um, the fighting forces of man are just normal humans with what's called last guns, which are just like torches. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they get a torch, a cardboard vest, and standard issue adamantium testicles. <laughs> standard issue. Yeah. Standard well, issue adamantium testicles. Excuse me, I'm gonna cough. <coughs> oh, he's infected. Yes, I'm dying. Oh. If you'd like to be a host on the show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, so go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got the multi lung next, which is the third lung implanted into the Astartes pulmonary and circulatory systems in the chest cavity. is able to absorb oxygen from environments, usually too poor in oxygen to, al- to allow human, normal human respiratory functioning. Yeah, uh, they can actually breathe underwater with that. Okay. You're like yeah. sucking the oxygen out of uh, the H2O out of the water. Well, the O2 out of the water, should I say. And the next one they have is the oculobe, which is known as the Eye of Vengeance. Oh, sounds sweet. It enhances eyesight after being implanted along the optic nerve and connected to the retina, granting him exceptional vision and the ability to see normally in a low-light environment. Massive, Massively increased eyesight. Do you make and sense? Yeah, the Lyman's ear is implanted in a space marine 
to make them immune to dizziness and motion-induced nausea. And fill oh, so them can... white... Oh, sorry? I was going to say they could go on rides and stuff then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're always at Alton Towers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they got to have downtime. Well, that's it, yeah. It allows them to filter out white noise. Next, you've got the Susan membrane. Uh, this implant allows a space screen to enter a catatonic or suspended animation state and is implanted within the brain as part of the body's endocrine system. It can allow a mortally wounded Astartes to survive his injuries and bring the metabolism to a standstill in, until he can receive full medical care. He basically just puts himself in a hibernation cocoon. Ah. He gets injured. <laughs> gets too badly injured to fight. Like he's, I don't know, one of his hearts is out. Yeah, I just go into this animation. Wait till and someone then, gets to me. And you've got the melanochrome, which allows his skin to be shielded from dangerous levels of radiation and heat. You've got the eulytic kidney. Works in conjunction with the preomna, filtering the blood to remove toxins that have been ingested or breathed into the body. Known as a pure. Again, can't be poisoned. Yeah. The neuroglottis, it's implanted in the mouth, allows the astartes to biochemically assess a wide variety of things simply by taste or smell, biochemically testing various objects for toxicity and nutritional content, essentially determining if the substance is edible or poisonous. It's a handy trick, isn't it? It is, and you can track them like a dog if you have to. <laughs> That's useful. Yeah. The mucronoid, which is implanted into the central nervous system and responds to specific chemical stimuli in the environment, causing the space ring to secrete a waxy protein substance similar to mucus through his pores that seals his skin. Space rings are cocooned in this way before they enter suspended animation, and the process can protect them from the harshness of the vacuum and other extremes of temperature. So get blasting into space, your arm is damaged. Activate that. Yeah. And you're fixed. You're all gonna you're gonna be alright for a bit. The okay. Betcher's gland, which is known as the poison bite, consists of two separate glands implanted into multiple locations inside an astartes mouth including the inside of the lower lip and the salivary glands. These two glands work in tandem to transform a space marine saliva into a corrosive, blinding acid. It's not bad. And a star is trapped behind iron bars, for example, will be able to chew his way out, given a few hours. <laughs> they have thought of everything, haven't they? Yeah. They have. There's two more. The progenoid gland implanted into both neck and the chest cavity these reproductive glands serve to collect gestate and maintain the gene seed from his body. Uh, so basically, when they die, mm. they die in battle. The chap comes along, he's got a specific device. He removes those glands, and the, each space marine grows two, and he then puts those glands into the next generation of, of aspirants, neophytes, and they take some experience, some of the characteristics of the previous owner into themselves and basically carry that on with them so every gene seed that's gone through from the original days you're carrying some genetic memory with you all the way through that line that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah and the last one is the black carapace which is known as the interface 
It is a neuroreactive fibrous organic material implanted directly under the skin in the chest area. It has invasive fiber bundles that serve as neuron connectors that grow inward from the implant and interlink with the space marine's central nervous system, allowing him to directly interface his nervous system with his power armor suit, his armor. Wow. Yeah, basically, it's a fully enclosed suit of armor. It all sort of plugs into various input sockets in the skin, which are then linked to this carapace under it. And he literally wears the armor like a second skin. He can just be, in fact, because he's stronger and faster with the armor, he's even more deadly. Fuck. So, yeah, so, that's where it could end up, who's to say? Well, we're definitely going to have genetically... You know, you could argue that giving drugs to someone is genetically engineering them, isn't it? So well, that's true. You, you yeah. could say we we kind of already we've we've opened the the door. I think it's only a matter of time before we get there. Um, Absolutely. Well, that's if we survive the current apocalypse that we find ourselves. Well, in. there is this. <laughs> I mean, who is to say? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm going to fucking clue. I don't want to see robo soldiers fucking marching down the street. Like, do you have a valid excuse to be out? They're already using drones, Ben. Yeah. Oh man, imagine if all those robo soldiers look like Boris. Oh, no. God. Or sound night. like Boris. I say, have you got a, a, a jolly good reason to be out? Have you um, noticed? The, the worst thing I've seen there. Have you noticed all the people turning on each other and grassing each other in and stooging each other and calling yeah. the police on their neighbours? They're the fucking people that would have been pushing people onto the trains in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's true, though. It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. That's what they said. Government said. They're fucking writing nasty notes to their neighbours like, I've seen you leave twice today. I'm like, oh, God. I couldn't give a shit what our neighbours are up to. Well, that's it. I mean, there's always, there's always the fucking, always the collaborators, though, in there. Yeah. No where you are, there's always the collaborators. Don't be a stooge. Snitches get stitches. Mm-hmm. When all this is over, we're coming for you. <laughs> well, I know you'd probably sign up for the. So you could have all that stuff done to you, I imagine, would be quite painful, and you'd never live a normal life again, but would you still choose it, Ben? No. No? No. No, it's too much. They have a shitty life. I mean, you're, you're functionally immortal, but you're going to die in battle. That's, yeah, I mean... That's kind of it, really. You, you don't get to shag. You're basically a warrior monk. The the main theory is that their sexual does desire is removed for all the hypnotic suggestion, all the hypnotic uh, training they have. Right. They don't end up with a sexual desire. Yeah, and there's no guarantee that you're going to make it all the way to the end. You might die during surgery, one of the organs might fail. Yeah. Fucked, you're dead. They just toss your body aside. Next kid. Yeah, gene seed out. Next one in. Uh, Sounds about right. I'd go for the cool spacesuit though. If I could just have that, you know, like a bit like Iron Man style, and take it off at the end of the day and still have. Yeah, like... I'll tell you a little bit about it. Go on then, mate. It's composed of layered ceramides and adamantium. Wow. Yeah, I thought adamantium basically like concrete. 
I thought adamantium was copyright Marvel. No, it's a real thing. Oh. Do you know that I heard of something cool the other day? I didn't look it up, but you might like this, boys. There's a fictional periodic table online featuring all the sort of fictional elements from pop culture. Yeah. Like vibranium. That's the only one I can think of right now. Unobtainium. Unobtainium. (laughs) I watched watched an episode of that game show. Fuck me. What's it called? I haven't seen that one. Hey, Pointless. Pointless. I saw an episode of Pointless, and they got to the final. Yeah, and the question was, name three elements on the periodic table. Now, you've got to pick the, the most obscure. And she right. was a chemistry student, and she said, unobtainium. I was like, oh, my God. Who hmm. uh, said university education is all that, eh? Oh. Wow. But apparently, she wasn't the only person, because they ask 100 people, don't they? And uh, apparently three other people came up with that one. Huh. I know. Our survey says... Retard. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the survey says. Who's dropping the R-bombs? Well, you dropped so many, I thought to myself, well, why not? Why can't I drop one? Well, if any retards listed are offended by it, <laughs> you can fuck can't yourself. Forget me. <laughs> forget me, can you? Quarantine, bitch. <laughs> yeah, you're more vulnerable to it than I am. <laughs> oh dear. Mm. Well, we got any more future Robo soldiers? Yeah, we got their weapon. They use the bolt gun. Okay. Uh, it's basically like a miniature rocket propelled grenade that fires on fully automatic. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a powerful .75 calibre assault weapon that it fires explosive kinetic rounds, colloquially referred to as bolts. Wow, that sounds awesome. And they fire it with a depleted uranium core. Whew. Wow. And I've got held those to my crotch. And they've got different ammo <laughs> for it. One's called the Inferno Bolt. The uranium core is replaced with an oxyphosphorus gel that reacts with oxygen in the air. So when you fire at someone, not only do they get shot, they get burned alive. Sounds oh. fair. You've got the Hellfire Bolt. Each bolt is tipped with thousands of needles and a vial of mutagenic acid. When the round enters the target's body, the vial shatters and the needles pierce the victim's flesh, pumping the acid into the target. As <laughs> a shatter. Yeah, and you've got one called Mortis Bolts. Mortis bolts spew self-replicating mutagenic toxins into the flesh of the target, causing the rapid and complete collapse of all vital biological systems while making for a horrifying spectacle in the bargain. Horrifying? Some say horrifying. Some say pretty fucking interesting. Yeah. (laughs) They're pretty bad. What's what's he going to mutate into? Oh, I don't know. So that's, I suppose, hypothetically, those are all the core. Qualities you would want a future soldier to have: unbreakable bones, third lung, second heart. You know, massive power armor. So maybe they will be spit acid. Will, spit acid, <laughs> improved eyesight, improved hearing. Doesn't have to sleep. I mean, you know, it's not bad. I mean, obviously, maybe this guy Adrian uh, caught under fire will be. Uh, uh, some kind of uh, inspiration for them. Yeah, man. 
because clearly maybe... he was also a lunatic. <laughs> I think we can all agree that both those chaps are particularly badass. Yeah. Yep. So shall we um, finish on some weird news? Yeah, man. Yeah. Let's get the boys' views on this week's weird news. So I'll start then. Postman does deliveries in fancy dress to lift spirits of people in lockdown. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Joe Matson, 39, is wearing fancy dress in the hopes of lifting people's spirits. There's a picture of him there. He's uh, one of the Spartans from 300. God, you two are so miserable. This was a happy story. I put it in. <laughs> I like it. Oh, <laughs> no, I think it's a bit fucking... It's like, oh, God, if I saw him, I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. oh, you're trying to fucking hard, you prick. Yeah, but the kids would love it and stuff, wouldn't they? You know, I haven't so, got any children, so it doesn't matter, oh, does it? I'll live revive. I can still appreciate the other children. You don't even see the postman. He just leaves it all downstairs for you. <sighs> well, I thought it was a. Uh, I thought it was great. Do you even know what your postman looks like? Well, it changes, like... but sometimes. Yeah, I've got. Diff- I've had different ones for ages. They keep changing. No, it must be Every the area. Same as someone new. Um, so a postman has been attempted to spread a little joy everywhere he goes as he continues to drop off his deliveries in fancy dress. In the last few days, the dad of two has been seen around the Bolden area dressed as up as Little Bo Peep and a Greek soldier and tells people they should expect to see many more outfits in the coming days. He was told he could do his rounds in his crazy outfit, hang on, quote, crazy outfit <laughs> as long as he wore his ID and his company shoes. Oh, God. (laughs) Explaining why he decided to wear a fancy dress, he told the Sunderland Echo, everyone is uncertain at the moment, and you're the only person outside the family that they see, so why not give them something to smile about? That's Uh, it, why not? Because it's shit. Well, if it brings (laughs) other people joy, then I'm all for it. Well, he can just go fuck himself. (laughs) <laughs> you miserable cunt. Yeah. So why is he outside having all the fun dressing up as shit and I'm stuck in here? He's fucking postman. He, he's in his job. He's yeah, I don't want life. the shit he's bringing me half the time. It's bills. You can dress up inside if you want and sit in whatever you want. Well, I haven't worn a toga for the last few days, but that's well, the point. There you go, see? No one's stopping you. No, that's just what I do when I'm not home. <laughs> <laughs> Or dress up as an 18th century British field marshal. One of the two. It's easier to wank in a toga and you've got, like, somewhere to clean up after. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) You just wipe and go. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot harder to wank dress as a field marshal. Them breeches are tight. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) It's you next, Mike, I think. Okay. King of Thailand isolating from coronavirus with his 20 concubines in luxury hotel. It's not bad, is it? Sorry for some in it. It's not bad at all. Apparently, King Maha, I'm not going to pronounce his second name, also known as Rama X, has recused himself in the Grand Hotel Sonobic. Sonobical? Yeah, I guess so. 
a five-star Alpine hotel in Garmisch Parkenkirchen, Germany, to weather the Rona storm while the rest of the country suffocates from the inside out. Rama X, or Triple X, as it's probably never been, been known, <laughs> did some light packing for his trip. An entourage of over 100, and of course, his harem of 20 female concubines. Wow. Tens of thousands have criticised their king online, despite the fact that doing so is illegal and risks up to 15 years in jail. Wow. In Thai jail at that. That's fucking <laughs> not good for anybody. No. A Thai language hashtag that translates to why do we need a king appeared 1.2 million times on Twitter after news of the king's trip broke. Best of it is he's got four wives and all. Fuck. It's just a sex holiday. <laughs> yeah. Sex holiday. Sex holiday. Yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> that's our new cover song, is it? Yeah. Sex holiday. It would be so You're nice. Nice. Sex holiday. Yeah, we'll bring you the disco. Uh. <laughs> we'll be like Kiss. We'll do a disco album. <laughs> bring bring back Disco Ben. Uh, he's dead. Ben. Disco Ben's dead. I'm afraid. I oh, killed him. Disco Ben's dead. Yeah, I killed him. Oh. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not really sure uh, how to. It was Ben's alter ego. Yeah, evil alter ego. Ah. Your evil alter ego. Enjoyed the disco. He did. <laughs> yeah. But he's dead now, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, Gaz. Yeah, okay. Seconds, I just gotta click on the mother flubber. Guy films himself licking deodorant at Walmart, gets arrested and charged with terrorism. Well, why not? Wow. A Missouri man may have earned first place on the all-time list of people who regret doing something dumb for a video. Mm-hmm. Uh, the non-porn, non-death division. 26-year-old Cody Lee regrets making that video and posting it to Twitter because he has since been arrested and charged with a terrorist threat in the second degree by the Warren County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. People were so disgusted with the video, which received over 4 million views, that the They received complaints from all over the United States as well as from the United Kingdom, Ireland, and the Netherlands. It's only tongue in cheek, though, isn't it? You know. No, I think you'll find it's tongue fully out, Mike. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. ah. just making a bad pun. Uh, <laughs> so was so I. Good. Puns are always welcome, especially shit ones. His client made the video on the tenth of March, a day before the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic and that he was not yet cognizant of how serious the virus is. A couple of thoughts. Number one, terrorism charges feel a lot, feel like a lot for this guy, but only because of the timing. If he did this today, I would say, yeah, sure, bury him. Clearly, he has a pretty solid lawyer. Let's skip to the end. That's it, basically. He's, he's going to be charged with terrorism. Um, well, fuck him. <laughs> Don't he be was a so dick. Desperate, so desperate for those fucking likes, wasn't he? 
Oh, God. Isn't it? You're like, oh, oh, I really want some lights. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what I'm weird. I'm doing. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, you know what? The only thing he'll be licking now is his prison bar cells. <laughs> the only thing he'll be licking now is his fucking soulmate's balls. Because <laughs> oh. they play a fun game called Balls on Chin. <laughs> Participation is not voluntary. No, it's we're probably bound and gagged in a wedding dress. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't be a dick. Wow. Okay, fair enough. So I was just going to say that he deserves everything that's coming to him, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. It's a little stupid, isn't it? Incredibly stupid. Oh, man, if you did that in the UK, you'd be beaten to a pulp in the supermarket. <laughs> Old biddies. Yeah, he's battering you with Zimmer frames and walking sticks. <laughs> and they've all got masks on, so the blood won't splatter into their vital orifices. Oh, God. <laughs> Most of them have, a, they've had spit screens built, haven't they? So. Oh, man, all of them have, yeah. They've got these perspex screens up, and you can't. Breathe over the staff anymore. Oh, did you like breathing over the staff before, did you? Well, a couple of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you get the screen orders, Ben, for that sort of thing? Oh, I've, got a couple, I've got a couple, but I was just thinking, I was like, Joe Biden does it, so it's okay. True. You know? Yeah, he used to like little boys playing with his <laughs> leg hairs in the swimming pools. Apparently he did. Oh, God. That was creepy. <laughs> but you oh. know that uh, old Donnie is going to claw another win in, don't you? That's the best they could rub against him. Oh, of course, mate. It's nailed on. Of course it is. He ain't. Biden's got no chance. He's demented. He's got dementia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll surprise us all. Who wants Biden anyway? He's fucking... It's just continuation of the same old shit. It's no different to Trump and his policies. In some, it's even worse. I bet he'll want to continue the war on terror. Of course he will. Got to keep that one going. Probably got shares in Raytheon and Boeing. Probably. Or certainly Drones Incorporated. Obama loved a drone and obviously Biden was VP for him, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although Trump has apparently ramped it up 462% since Obama. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of percent. That's insane, isn't it? Yes. They're the real terrorists, Ben. Oh, well, there you go. The US government. And the Brits. And the Brits. And the French. And the French. Um, yes, and Italians. All of them. All They're all fucking... Everyone's a bit of a cunt sometimes. Everyone's a really. bit sometimes. <laughs> mm. All oh, the time, in all fairness. Yeah. But hey, 
What a wonderful world this could be. Yay. <laughs> Depose the psychopaths first. Well, you get on that mic. Let's know how you get on. <laughs> I'm on it. Right, you, look, anything about that shrink ray that you're working on? On the what? That shrink ray you promised me the other week so I could go and battle the coronavirus on a microscopic level. I'll be honest, not progressing as much as I'd have liked. Right. <laughs> I, it's not really out of the... Uh, well, it's not in any phase, to be fair. <laughs> is, it not, is it not on paper either? No. No. So you got high and forgot about it, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, there goes your man at his last chance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, what can you do, eh? We had a good what run. What can you do? 100,000 years, that's not bad for a species. There we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, should we call it a day then, boys? Yeah, man. Yeah. That was right. fun. I yeah, like the soldiers. And cool. uh, one day, someone can be a future soldier. soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I've been Ben. Thanks for listening. Don't drink the flavour aid. Don't join a cult unless it's a tiger cult. And stay indoors and stay safe and all that. <laughs> yeah. I've been Gaz, Free Biff Tannen. Um, see you next week. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Night. <laughs>